Welcome to Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I'm Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. I am a horse and my voice is human. And Neil Potter. Harrison Ford is Norman Spencer. <laughs> what the hell? That joke is going to get old someday. <laughs> <laughs> but that day is not today. Not today. Not today. Um, Blame John. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, everyone, uh, thank you for joining us. And we are here today on... Uh, we are on part 11 on our series on Harrison Ford, um, where we'll be talking about the 2000 movie, uh, the, the will Lenium, uh, <laughs> the movie, what lies beneath directed by Robert Semeckis written by, uh, wait for it. Marvel's Clark Gregg. <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> Wild. That is wow. quite strange. Quite strange. Um, and it stars, of course, Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, according to IMDb, it is about the wife of a university research scientist believes that her lakeside Vermont home is haunted by a ghost or, or that she is losing her mind. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, uh, as always, we'll start off with some trivia on the movie and some box office. Then we'll dive into our full spoiler-filled discussion on the movie What Lies Beneath. Then we'll end with some final thoughts and recommendations. So, Tyler, you want to kick this off with some film trivia? Sure thing. Yeah. Uh, so every time we have an episode, I put together four pieces of trivia about our main uh, movie, and one of them I have made up. So you guys will pick it out. Number one, director Robert Zemeckis filmed this while production for Castaway was shut down so Tom Hanks could lose weight for his character. Number two. The house depicted in the film was used for day scenes only. It was torn down after filming because it didn't meet local building codes. The rooms were duplicated on an L.A. soundstage for night scenes. Number three. There is a Bollywood movie named Raz, which was inspired by this movie. Number four. Harrison Ford reported in interviews that he had much difficulty in playing a villain. He said, quote, I couldn't be the kind of passionate villain that Robert Zemeckis really wanted, but I am a pretty awkward guy. So I told him, you can just change my awkward into creepy in post. Wow. Did Harrison Ford just walk into your room, Tyler? I think he did. Man, you got him to say that line, what he said years ago, right there in your room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Harrison. Bye. Nice, One and done. Nice talking to you, Harrison. Harrison. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, Ben, why don't you go first? Oh, shit. Um, I'm going to say the last one. I feel like I feel like he w would be up to the challenge to play a villain. I feel like that's probably why he took this role, that he was like, he was like, yeah, I can be bad. I can be a bad guy. 
<laughs> That's my yeah, that was bad, impersonation bad. of Harrison Ford. <laughs> nah, I'm going to go with the, uh, the, the house one, the building code that they had to tear it down and do the rest on sound stages. All right. That's the one I'm going with is the fake. Okay, we'll start from the top. Number one, Robert Zemeckis filmed this while production for Castaway was shut down so that Tom Hanks could lose weight. You guys both think that is true, and that is true. Mm. Yeah, this was uh, uh, obviously, famously, Tom Hanks had to lose a ton of weight for that character, and they shut down production on that film for something like six months or something crazy like that. Uh, and he grew like a real beard and grew his hair out. Like it was, they, they did that movie legit. And, uh, so he had some downtime and decided to film an entire other movie in between. So (laughs) six months, (laughs) what else do you have to do? Uh, Uh, and then number two, the house depicted in the film was used for day scenes only and was torn down because it didn't meet local building codes. Uh, Neil, you think that one is the fake, and that yes. one is true. Ah, buckets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This seems to be a really common thing uh, in doing the research for a lot of these trivia uh, bits. Like, it's it's crazy how often I see that, like, oh, I'll be watching a movie sometimes, and I'm like, man, that is a cool house. Like, I wonder how they, who, like, location scouted that mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? But then you just find out that they just literally built an entire house just for a movie, and then yeah. they just fucking <laughs> tore it down at the end because they couldn't be bothered to deal with, like, legal building codes. Well, yeah, why would you, I mean, why would you build, like, it to have, like, water in it, you know? Right, like, right. Like, all of yeah, that is it, probably it, just it, fake and, yeah, you know? Yeah, and the, like the the one kind of exception to that that I r- remember reading about is um, in the movie uh, Interstellar, they uh, that entire cornfield that they had featured in the movie they planted just for that movie, but then they actually sold the corn that was produced from it and made a profit. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah. Nice. Oh, wow. yeah. So like that, you know, normally you'd just expect they'd like tear it down, like all these other examples. But nope, they actually harvested the corn and sold it. <laughs> uh, uh, so number three, there's a Bollywood movie named Raz, which was inspired by this movie. That one's too crazy not to be true, and you guys both <laughs> said it was. So yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that uh, that's a thing. Don't know much about Raz, but uh, I'm very intrigued now, so I might have to check that out. <laughs> Which means that number four, the quote where he said he had difficulty playing a villain, is the fake. So congratulations, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice. Yeah. No. Is I, there anything uh, that was true more, to that? <laughs> no, that, it's more me commenting on the movie, <laughs> saying that he's a terrible villain. <laughs> 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 so yeah. Uh very nice. Well, let's get into some box office, why don't we? So this is what lies beneath. This had uh a release date of July 21st, summer release of 2000. Um is rated PG-13, 2 hours 10 minutes long. It had a production budget of 100 million dollars. <laughs> um which was probably put into a fake house apparently. Whatever. <laughs> uh <laughs> 
Do, not do you, sore just about totally it. off ta- on tangent. Do you guys ever wonder, like, at what point we're gonna start being the old people who make references that no one gets? Like, how many people listening right now are not gonna fucking know what one hundred million dollars is? Oh my god! Probably uh, a I think lot about of that people. all the time. Yeah. Oh my, yeah, that's a great question. Well, if you don't know. Look it up. <laughs> I think yes, Austin. Google one hundred million dollars. <laughs> I think Austin Powers is on Netflix, so I'm sure that yeah. I'm sure that the kids are watching right yeah. now. Yeah, no that's excuse. Close. Sorry. Uh, this- <laughs> that movie also <laughs> that movie also has a climate change joke that he uh, Doctor Evil Evil like one of his master plans is to like basically start climate change. And they're just like, uh-huh. all of his lackeys are like, that's already happened. <laughs> and so I was like, yikes. Yeah. How old is this movie? <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's talk about Austin Powers. The domestic budget for Austin Powers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the domestic opening for this movie uh, was $29 million. Uh, it's made domestically 155 million. Million dollars wow. worldwide, two hundred and ninety-one million. Wait, what did you say the budget was again? One hundred million. For some reason, I, I thought I dropped a zero off of that, and I was just like, oh, okay. I was like, oh shit, they made a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, they they did make money. They did make some money. So, uh, year two thousand, as far as movies go, none were ever made because Y two K happened, and this is all a fever dream. You're not actually listening to oh, a podcast God. right now. All the technology's been wiped clean of this entire planet. It all stopped when the clock struck midnight. Everyone, You're all dumb. Jesus Christ! I guess everyone has that one weird conspiracy theory. <laughs> Y2K, remember that guy? I do, yeah. crazy, huh? (laughs) Anyway, year 2000 had some great movies in it. Uh, (laughs) Russell Crowe's Gladiator, Memento. Are we entertained? uh, Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) Castaway, which we had mentioned earlier. Requiem for a Dream, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, American Psycho, Almost Famous, Unbreakable, Snatch. Mission Impossible 2. The <laughs> list right, goes on. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. That's a, that a damn good year for movies. Yeah. 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 Very good year. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. No. Um, Austin Powers was like 1995, I think. Uh, we can continue <laughs> on that if you'd like. Or uh, our next season. Well. <laughs> Our next season, we're gonna do uh, Michael Myers. So we'll, we'll dive into that. There'll only be one episode. <laughs> um. Uh. Well, there's two. I mean, uh, is Honey, Honey I Married an Axe Murderer? That was like his first movie. Yeah. Um. Then of course uh, that SNL movie. Um. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's dive into what lies beneath. Um, Ooh, I see what you did there. Nice pun, not intended. <laughs> um, All right, before we get ahead, got to remember to do this. Norman Spencer, Harrison Ford's character, uh, f- a fine name, but not a great Harrison Ford name, right? 
Yeah, no. no, it's it's a dweeb name. Yeah, I was yeah, total stinker. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um. Uh, all right. This. Uh, I, let's just go around and let's let's just go around the table. What'd you guys think of this movie, Tyler? Um, I, so this is one of several movies that we've done on this podcast that I like thought that I had watched before, but I couldn't actually remember if I did. And then I watched like the first 10 minutes and I was like, okay, yeah, I've definitely seen this movie, but I can't remember what happens still. And like every (laughs) new thing that happened in the movie, I was like, oh yeah, but I, I, there was never a point where I actually remembered like the end of the movie. So I, it was like, it was like that thing you wish you could do for good movies where you wish you could forget having ever seen it and watch it and experience it for the first time again, but with a bad movie. So that, that was my experience watching this. Um, not, not one I'd recommend. Uh, I think that Harrison Ford's acting as this villain is God awful. Um, (laughs) <laughs> uh, and we can get into that more later on why I think that is. I, I think he plays he plays a creepy villain, but not one that matches the role that his like the role that he plays in this movie is a husband who committed a crime of passion, but he's acting more like a fucking serial killer. So yeah, it's it's bizarre. Um, I don't. I, I'm not particularly fond of. Uh, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's performance either as the main character. Oh. I think she's like a whiny and like scared little mouse that screams at every goddamn jump scare. That's so annoying. Uh, yeah, it, this this movie was a, just a bad. It was just a bad one. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> uh Unlike Tyler, I ne- I never have remembered to not maybe remember seeing this. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Neil. <laughs> I tried to tie that all together. It didn't make any sense. I have not okay. seen this movie. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, and I remember not seeing this movie. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so um, and okay, so off the bat, this type of movie is just not my flavor of movie at all. Like, de- like cheap suspense, like thriller types are just not my scene, really. Um, I and there was a lot of moments where it's just like half of this movie is somebody quietly walking around and then something just makes some like, uh, yeah, makes uh, Michelle Pfeiffer scream or something like that. And. Uh, yeah, I agree with Tyler on mostly everything. I think I didn't mind Michelle Pfeiffer so much, but like um, it's just been done way better, like mm. in all aspects of this movie. And Harrison, yeah, Harrison Ford just didn't seem to fit. Yeah, fit really well. You put it really well that he's like a serial killer more than he is like I accidentally fucked up and now like this is coming back to haunt me kind of a thing. So right. like that. Yeah, it's that's where my issues are. I yeah. So 
I don't know if I'd recommend this very much either. Uh, <laughs> but then again, I'm not like a horror movie fan a whole lot, so I wouldn't really anyway. So, yeah, that's my take. I mean, this barely right qualifies as horror. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. It, it, it's this movie it's is... horror in the way like a um, a Hitchcock movie is horror. You know, like, yeah, it's kind yeah, of yeah. more it, of a thriller that. Right, kind of dips its toe into some horror elements. It's mm. like the it's like if Hitchcock wrote like a uh, like middle aged woman mystery thriller like novel that you buy in paperback at the checkout aisle. <laughs> Damn, dude, <laughs> I I can't believe I'm about to go to bat for this movie um, because I oh boy quite oh boy enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you that Harrison Ford is not that great. And when he goes like full villain um, at the end of the movie, it, it's not he he doesn't really like take the opportunity to shine. And it's kind of a shame. So I agree with you there. Um, I actually really liked Michelle Pfeiffer. I thought she maybe made this movie quite enjoyable. Um, uh, this movie is aggressively long. Uh, it mm-hmm. either needed to cut out all of the ghost stuff or all of the like neighbor stuff. And yeah. just mm, yeah. having like having both of those just made this movie drag on a lot. Um, but with all that said, I, I did find myself really enjoying it and really like just, uh, enjoying all the, like, I I mean, the first half of this movie is, is very Hitchcock. There's a lot of, um, uh, uh, Disturbia. Is that the one where like, when she's like spying on the neighbors, like there's very yep. much like a Disturbia feel. Um, and I really enjoyed that. I think their neighbors are like, are really great that the, like how the wife is like just straight up having a panic attack in her front lawn. And then the, the yeah. husband is just super creepy. And then I just loved when they finally, when she tried to out him, when she tried to out her, the husband neighbor as like killing his wife. And then the wife just like comes out of the bathroom at this party and like walks up and then yeah. they're just like goofy neighbors for the rest of the movie. <laughs> I yep. just yeah. found that really enjoyable. Um, yeah. It was so bizarre how they like, re- how they resolved that whole th- plot thread. Like, they basically she comes over and talks to Claire, the main character, and is like, oh, I'm so sorry to have scared you. Have you have you ever just loved someone so much that you just want to die when they leave you? And it's just like, no, crazy lady. What? You need to go to a therapist or something like what's wrong with you? Yeah, you scared the shit out of me like. That that was like, and then it's just like that's it. The, I guess that's resolved now. Um, oh yeah, and yeah. she she like immediately finds out the identity of the the ghost like right after that. She's like, right. oh, the initials yeah. 
actually, I thought they were this person, but then it turns out they're the the second person I found with the same initials. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think. I mean, I enjoyed this movie, but I there is a lot of stupidity around it. Like, I'll give it that, and maybe I was. Maybe I just enjoyed myself because I was laughing at the movie, but ultimately, um, ultimately I just found myself really enjoying it, even though like I, there was a point where I like pressed pause and I was only halfway through the movie and <laughs> I, I felt like I, it was one of those, like this movie really like halfway through it, like wraps everything up. And yeah. I'm just like, all right, that's it. I mean, pretty solid. And then it was like, nope. Yeah. 40 goddamn <laughs> minutes left of this movie. <laughs> yeah. About halfway through the movie, it, the, most of the actual plot threads are resolved. And then you realize there's like two giant Chekhov's guns that need to go off. And you're just like waiting for those to happen. Mm-hmm. Like the the whole there was a, a random scene where they're like driving to dinner and they're going across the bridge and he's like, I, I need to make a phone call. And she's like, well, d- everyone knows that you can't make a phone call until you get halfway across the bridge. Remember, you stupid idiot. Like, don't try to make a phone call until you get to the exact halfway point on this bridge. Mm-hmm. And then so we're like, OK, when when are we going to run into that situation later on? Um, and then there was one more like that. God, what was it? It wasn't the uh, chest at the bottom of the ocean right um no i i'm thinking of something else but I, i'm sure i'll think of it later but there was another that was like blatantly oh i remember what it was uh when she goes to visit her husband at his work where he's oh, like yeah. a geneticist or whatever and they've got mm-hmm. that terrible animatronic rat that they use that drug on to put <laughs> it to sleep and they're like yeah. they like there's no reason the, the the camera zooms in on these two random interns in this lab like make sure you you put this drug in front of the mouse's face so that it falls asleep it, it can still feel and see and experience everything but it cannot move <laughs> yes. and, and then it's like why the fuck did we just watch that like oh because that's gonna happen to her later yes i get it, it, it so yeah me, those, when that happened to her it took me like 10 minutes before I got what was happening. Cause I was like, okay. I was like, well, did she break her legs or something? Like, why is she see, not moving? <laughs> to, that, I, that was one of those things. Like I was just waiting for it to happen because of that earlier scene. Yeah. Cause like there's those two scenes, the cell phone and the, the rat are just like the, that was all that was left for us to like find out or wait to find when those would happen. Mm-hmm. It, there it had nothing to do with like actually resolving the plot. It was yeah. just the, the, the language of storytelling told us that 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 was coming right mm-hmm. and so it was just a long drawn out ending to have those resolved <laughs> yep yep <laughs> yeah i love the neighbors though <laughs> they were pretty great just kidding <laughs> uh also her i love that she has uh, a friend a like hippie friend um and that <laughs> yeah is a divorcee and is like using her alimony money to like just basically live life. Right. And, uh, I loved the, um, Oh, 
what is it called that they did like a seance where they were trying to like speak the Ouija board things. <laughs> <Yeah>. The Ouija board. <laughs> I love that they made a point where she was like, Oh, you finally found one. And she's like, yep. Had to go to Kmart. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like, okay, it's a weird, like uh, Ouija boards are quite popular. Like you should not. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. But yeah. I, that was a very like, it, it was, I enjoyed all the ghost stuff, like just how they slowly trickled it out. And I don't think it really went anywhere, uh, mainly for the aforementioned, like uh, Harrison Ford being a poor villain. Um, just like that whole reveal of what happened where she was a, or he cheated on a student and then like killed her when she was going to like tell everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh even though the possession scene, I think, is the best movie or the best scene in this movie. Really? When, yeah. When she got possessed, I thought it was fucked up and weird. Uh, it and was bonkers, dude. Like, <laughs> bonkers, it, felt like yeah. it, it turned into like a weird, like kind of like I was saying, like a weird, like smut novel without any of the actual sex. Like yeah. the the whole this whole setup for the movie feels like a smut novel. But then they just excise all of the actual sex. <laughs> yeah, they even had that at the like towards the very beginning where they hear their like neighbors oh banging real loud. And they're like, yeah. let's out bang. Oh, yeah. And then she's like, she's like asked him to leave the windows open so they can hear. That's like, mm-hmm. that's like fucked up. Some <laughs> shit. Real, real king yeah, shit. I guess no king shaming, but I don't know. Uh, I to the whole ghost thing. I think it was just undermined because they spent far too much time with the neighbors They've spent far too much time, like, just on that whole plot of what is the ghost, the wife. And I don't know why they did it. I guess to, like, hide the twist that Harrison Ford is, like, basically a serial killer. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Thematically, I kind of get it. The the I like the idea behind the movie, at least kind of just inspired on the title alone like what lies beneath like this this idea of like being kind of paranoid mm. about the all of the terrible things people are capable of around you but ignoring what is like right next to you like the the man you think you've known for years and love like is turns out to be capable of something so terrible but it's done in such a, like a like heavy-handed obvious and poorly executed way that I just like felt like it was a wasted theme, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I found it interesting now that we've kind of been talking about it too, that like the ghost is real, like in this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, cause it's, cause it, it's not something that only Michelle Pfeiffer is having an issue with. And then like at the end, it like, scares Harrison Ford so it's like she can escape so it's like it's real yeah so like that is a weird other like supernatural thing that doesn't seem like it belongs in an otherwise very unsupernatural world right. I guess yeah yeah I mean it feels the, the movie feels pretty dated because of that too like it there you don't really get too many like 
straight up ghost movies anymore where like that's the thing right i mean it's we already mentioned it there's like a straight up ouija board seance in this movie and i actually kind of wanted to go back to that because it's one of my pet peeves where like a movie or a game or anything i'm sure there's like a tv trope for this but where like a writer will acknowledge that something is stupid like knowingly with dialogue or whatever as a way to excuse it Mm -hmm. and make it like play it off as kind of funny like the character of her friend or whatever is like seriously we're gonna do a a freaking Ouija seance and like making fun of it because it's stupid but then the movie's like no it's actually scary and it's like (laughs) I can't I can't fucking handle that right like my favorite my favorite example of that is there's a, a game where um uh, God, what was it called? Quantum Break. <laughs> you guys know the game? Um, Not really. It, it's by the same guys who uh, just recently put out. Oh yeah. Um, control. Gosh, what was the control? Yeah. Um, but there's a point where you have to like climb up the series of ladders and like go across some gantry stuff to like go flip a switch. And the character's like, man, you think the people who designed this would have put the switch closer to the the actual device? And I'm like. Yeah, you fucking designed it, game designer. Like <laughs> you're commenting on your own shitty design. Like that—that's what it feels like every time I see a scene in a movie where somebody is like commenting how on how stupid the sequence is, and I'm like, but you put it in the movie. In, in this, in this movie's defense, the Michelle Pfeiffer doesn't say that. It's the friend, and right, I yes, think like yeah. you're since you spend all your time with Michelle Pfeiffer, like you're you're. You, the audience projects themselves onto her, and she believes it the entire time. And yeah, I, yeah, it's. I guess maybe you're right. I, I think I'm. I mean, I'm obviously just shitting on this movie, but mm-hmm. it, it. I. It felt weird to me that that was like a thing that the creator and director and writers like they all thought that that would could be a actually scary moment, and it's just they just completely undercut it with yet another little jump scare at the end. Like, yeah, I don't know. Every, every scary scene in this movie is ends with a jump scare. Mm hmm. Yeah. True. Yeah. I, so, um, I want to go back to the con. You guys made a comment about just the, this being a ghost story. And I think, uh, or maybe like the fantasy element of this movie and I think that's why why the the fantasy fantasy stuff was so subdued. I think it's like why I like this movie um, because I feel like if you really make the main focus um, just the ghost and like the rules around the ghost and all that stuff, uh, it becomes. I think it just becomes like slocky, like. Uh, like for for example, there is a movie called Ouija that is about uh, a Ouija board, and it's just mm-hmm. this dumb. It's this really dumb movie about friends who play with the Ouija board, and then they're getting haunted by ghosts, and like they like free the ghosts uh, in a way, and it's like it's just a really dumb movie that is just kind of the like 
the horror movie that the type of horror movie that is, um, oh, let's let's watch this to be scared. And mm-hmm. you yeah. don't care about characters or plot. It's just like, let's get spooky. Um, and I don't think this movie <laughs> is that. I don't think I think this is a different type of movie. And I appreciate that it's really about this husband's infidelity um, right. slash murder spree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. I guess I'm just not sure, like, why that ghosty stuff was then even in there and real if that was the focus, right? Like, sure. it, it has a incredibly important impact on on this plot of the film, like that, that the ghost is real. Like I, I'm, I'm having trouble following the thread in my head right now, but like, she she probably wouldn't have figured any of this out. Right. Um, uh, no, probably not because right. The ghost, well, the ghost is, she starts like figuring out, she starts thinking there's a ghost because the door keeps her front door keeps opening when she walks up to it. And then there's weird stuff like um, like her computer boots up randomly. And then like the her the house like loses power and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's not until she gets a Ouija board and tries to reach out to a, a ghost that all the stuff really starts to escalate. And then well, it, and and the fact that she stole the girl's hair, mm-hmm. yeah, and mm-hmm. had a bigger connection, I guess, to the spirit realm, yeah, because because <laughs> she, yeah, when she gets the hair and then does the Ouija board again, that's when like she gets possessed, and like right. the ghost like powers get stronger or something. <laughs> she starts yeah. to like really fuck things up. <laughs> um. A couple things, a couple other other things that I really liked. Um, there is a couple shots towards the end of this movie where the camera is underneath the floor. Yeah. Uh, do you guys remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It happened twice, I want to say. Once was uh, she dropped keys i think she dropped keys and then like reached down to grab them and the camera was like under the floor showing like her reaching down to the keys um and then it happened one other time for basically a similar shot um quite (laughs) quite impressive but it was a very like showy it was a very showy like camera move for kind yeah. of out of nowhere. Yeah, like the rest of the movie stylistically did not match that scene at all. Mm-hmm. It, it was very cool. Uh, it reminded me a lot of like Panic Room. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where there's a lot of crazy stylistic shots in that movie, but they, they're used throughout. And so you don't ever really, you're not ever really like, your mind isn't calling out that it was a cool shot. You're just like continually being brought through the story by the fancy camera camera work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, here it, it did feel out of place. Maybe he was practicing something he wanted to do in Castaway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we haven't talked about Robert Zemeckis, but 
uh, yeah, Castaway comes out this year. Probably his biggest movie, maybe second to Forrest Gump, I'd say. Um, oh, Back to the Future. Back to the Back Future, to the future yeah. is probably much bigger. Um, but yeah, this and but this basically this is this Cat and Castaway are basically his last movies until he gets into that really just weird like all CG yeah. phase where mm. he does Polar Express, Beowulf, and then A Christmas Carol, uh, all back to back, and um. Yeah, he he OD'd on CGI hard. Yeah. The the Uncanny Valley trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now of course the defense of that is that like he he like made that technology. Like we wouldn't have right. a Thanos if it wasn't for him. But also those movies are not good. <laughs> I mean, Lord of the Rings was like two years later with uh Gollum, so uh yeah, oh, true true um true but i i think that i mean i think robert Semeckis, you maybe oh yeah really need yeah. to give he deserves oh, a he, lot of yeah credit. he pioneered some cool shit but yeah. like i think that this is definitely where like you can kind of see parts like that is, that shot in particular it, it feels like it is to the detriment of the rest of the film oh, yeah. rather than adding to it so like even though it is cool in its own right just in the same way that like all these other technologies he was doing are, are pretty cool it just i don't see how they're serving the the filmmaking no absolutely not I feel like the cinematographer just had a good idea and they're <laughs> yeah. like, they're like it, it literally just could have just become just because like they're like, the, what's the movie called? What lies beneath? Right. Yeah. Oh, let me put a camera like oh that. Looks like it's below. That I'm, almost, been I'm hilarious. positive. That's why <laughs> that would have been hilarious if they did like a hundred shots. They were just like that. It was just like the camera looking up from the floor. There were a lot of little like references to that fact, like mm-hmm. the, what lies beneath. Like his his laboratory is underground. It's in like the basement of that building. Oh. Like there's little stuff like that mm-hmm. throughout that are, it's just like you get it. <laughs> you get it. What could it be? Um, one other shot that I, I actually thought really worked well was there is. Um, I think it's after, uh, Harrison Ford has like, he has confessed, confessed to the affair and it's kind of at a point of the movie where Michelle Pfeiffer thinks it's all done and she goes to her bathroom and is like, I don't know, cleaning up or something. And it's one continuous shot. She leaves the bathroom, goes into her bedroom, does some like, I don't know, she like puts a few towels away or something. And then she wraps around to the bathroom second door and she sees steam coming out of it. And then she mm-hmm. opens the bathroom door. It, it's the it's full of steam. And then the bathtub is full of water. And that was cool. And yeah. I thought that one served the story quite well. That mm-hmm. one, that was mm-hmm. genuinely chilling the way that that was shot. Yeah. And I assume, right. I assume that the steam is probably all CG. And then there was just like a stage hand that just dumped like a bunch of water. In I don't the know. Tub. Though, Cause it was dead still. 
I, yeah. I don't know how oh, they did yeah, that. Because like, how would you put that volume of water in there and get it dead still? I yeah, it just a very impressive shot. I don't know yeah. how they did that. Yeah, it's yeah, it was quite. I actually rewound it and watched it twice because it's yeah, it's the it's what movies can can do really well is to just do things very subtly, but mm-hmm. like since there's no camera cut it just makes it seem real. Like you, you almost, you don't question it at all. Like, right. or maybe mm-hmm. you, you question it more. Right. Because it's like, it's like, whoa, 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 wait, like that, the bathroom, the bathtub actually like filled up because yeah. like, you know, it's quite impressive. And I really enjoyed that like little mm-hmm. scene. <laughs> Yeah, the almost everything revolving around water and that tub was kind of, I guess, what I would say is like the best scenes of mm-hmm. it. Because like the the scene at the end when she's like paralyzed yeah. and the tub <laughs> is filling and filling and filling, yeah. like that started to make me panic a little bit. Yeah. Like, oh shit! Like the thought of like just drowning and you know you're gonna is just disgusting and i hate it but like <laughs> it's like but like that's the the, the point it's trying to make so i was like and then the thing snaps off like that so like i have to give him props for like that because that right. like that was good good tension oh yeah instead of just walking around and then like something very slightly happens or something like that. So yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's talk about that entire scene because I I think that was very effective um, with him mm-hmm. Harrison Ford like drugging her, uh, her like almost escaping. She gets all the way down to the like main floor, and he picks her up and like he's he walks her back to the bathroom and is like ta- like talking to her very calmly but then like has it's like the super villain speech where he's like nah yeah. i i actually killed that girl um i put her car in the lake and no one found her and it's like whoops didn't suspect that she was gonna haunt me but oh well like i'm gonna <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but either way i'm gonna kill you now and yeah. yeah so this this is i feel the biggest failing of the film like the, the this is your climax of the movie and i'm just 100 not buying harrison ford's performance here because like like i said before he he's playing it like he's this super villain or this like serial killer who has planned this all out and like just uh, he's just managed to uh, you know there there have been problems like he roadblocks he's run into because of claire but you know he had it always under control and he's calm and collected and he he feels no no remorse for you know having to murder her right now and it's like how how are we supposed to believe that like this it feels like this should be a extremely passionate thing where he's like just yelling or crying or whatever like that I wanted him to be like, why did you make me do this? I didn't want to do this. Like that, that's what I wanted. But instead we got, why'd you have to make me do this? Claire? (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just like no emotion whatsoever. And I don't know the the rest of the film. I did get a sense that he genuinely loved her and, but he feels almost nothing here. It seems like, Mm. yeah, Yeah, it is the, uh, it is a problem 
it's probably a miscast. I think that another actor could have done like could have done exactly the same thing that Harrison Ford does, but just has a more terrifying presence. And I don't think it's I don't think it's because Harrison Ford like plays heroes like his entire career. Um and so it it's just unbelievable. I just think that yeah, his performance is just he's just not in it in this movie. Mm-mm. Yeah. I think he plays a good like the first half of this movie, I think he plays a solid shitty husband. Yes, and, I would agree. Yeah. 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 But he doesn't have to kill anyone yeah. for <laughs> during that part. So yeah. Um yeah. so yeah, then he puts her he puts her in the bathtub and kill and like basically is going to drown her. And yeah, that's when like he, uh, what's happening. He like lifts her up at one. He has to lift her up at one point and like the ghost like comes out like of her body and scares her. And he, he million dollar babies himself, which is like, (laughs) (laughs) just like a hardcore, like, Oh God, that was just like, uh, it was such a quick shot, but it was just so disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Just like him, him hitting the sink and like shattering his neck. I, I'm shocked that he was still alive after that. Yeah. Yeah. That was the part that was weird. Like they, even though the shot was extremely quick, it was very apparent that he landed right on his neck. Yeah. And you're, yeah. and then he has like no problems, like supporting his head later on. Like <laughs> yeah. you fucking cracked your vertebra, dude. Like if you wanted to show him just get knocked out, then show him hit his head, not his neck. That mm-hmm. was, that was where it was like, it kind of felt like the movie like cheated you a little bit. Because mm-hmm. when you see something like that, it sh- it feels final, right? It, it kind of feels like he's either dead or paralyzed. He's not getting up. Yeah. Well, plus um, there's right. a bunch of blood. Like he bleeds yeah. a lot. Yeah. So it was <laughs> yeah. a little a little odd when we see that he like had gotten out of the room as she was like rescuing herself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There are two things I want to touch on here. Um, the, the, the first one was like, maybe I missed this, but so as he's filling up this tub for her at the end, he makes the comment about how it's cold and that he can't believe he had to sit in a tub that he fake electrocuted himself. in. Like what was his grand scheme there? Like that seemed ridiculous to me. Like he, yeah, I guess so, that was him like trying to show that uh, there was the movie like trying to show that he's kind of like a sociopath. Like he doesn't actually care. He just like wants to keep her with him. So like scaring oh, her into thinking right, that he right. might be suicidal if she leaves. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. That's Maybe some that's abusive it. gaslighting bullshit that <laughs> right. probably yeah. happens that's, a lot. That is like, yeah. Yeah. because right, I right. think that happened when she left and stayed the mm-hmm. night at, her friend's house. So it's like, right. It's like, Hey wife, if you would have been here, I wouldn't have almost killed myself. Yeah. Okay. Just, I was just drying my hair while taking a shower. (laughs) 
right. <laughs> Just a normal thing everyone does. <laughs> um, the, the second thing is why on earth did they have her, their daughter in oh it my at God. all? Yeah. Well, they so they send her off to college right away, and then like it's supposed to give like Claire this like oh I'm missing my child or type thing, but like it's not ever super apparent. Like nothing has to do with that. Yeah. Like in a meaningful way. <laughs> in in a better movie, that would have been the third Chekhov's gun. Like she should have returned unannounced to the home to like save her or yeah. something. You know. Hey, mom and dad, I'm back for fall break. How's right? everything? And then like right in the middle yeah. of the attempted murder, like that would have been fucking cool. Actually, now that I think about it. Well, like they. The daughter is also never in the movie when she leaves. Like there's yeah. a. F- the um, Michelle Pfeiffer makes a phone call and like she doesn't answer. And that's like it. Like she never checks in. You get no sense of what that relationship is like. It's just like, yeah, a sad mom. It's not yeah. good. Yeah, it, it was. That was another thing that I had an issue with in this movie is like the depiction of this main character is not very, uh, flattering. Like they, Oh, um, yeah. The other thing, God, there's so many things I'm like just remembering now. Uh, one more, I want to say one more thing about the daughter. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had forgotten about the daughter like so much that there's a point where Harrison Ford is recounting like when they met, and he was like, you were just a single mom. And I was like, I was like, oh, my God, what happened to the child? And I was like, oh, wait, she's in college now. Forgot about that. <laughs> I thought it was like some weird like uh, like that she, he made her get an abortion or something. And I was like, oh, my God, where are they going with this? And I was oh, like, yeah. oh, right. The daughter is in college. That's what happened. That what happened to her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that is just one of those things. Like a, another thing that they did similar was the um, like subplot about her having had a car accident a year ago. Yes. I, I actually just quite enjoyed that whole reveal. Like, so am I wrong? Was the entire purpose of that just to make it so that she forgot that she already knew about the affair? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. She has like, there's moments where she has like memory loss, like where she doesn't quite remember the way things are. Yeah. I, I was very confused on why that was really included. Cause it, I feel like it was the movie was wanting you to think, well, maybe she's hallucinating because she has brain damage. Yeah. But then that's but then it's real ghosts. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There, There's so many weird little things mm. like that that are just kind of sprinkled throughout. I quite enjoyed that whole reveal because how they like slowly revealed uh, that she was in a car accident and then like what actually happened leading up to the car accident. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but again, like, I think that it, they just don't focus on it enough. Like the whole, there's so much of this movie that is focused on the neighbors when it should have been, it should have been focusing on either her, like recovering from 
like driving into a tree at 80 miles an hour and uh-huh. like, or on Harrison Ford, the antagonist of this movie, like it's, it's pretty wild. It is the problem with twist movies that they, they're, they go so far to hide the twist that they just forget to set up what they actually need to set up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, despite having seen this movie once before, I found myself trying to predict where it was going to go <laughs> this time. And I, I really thought they, so there's a sequence where uh, Harrison Ford is like comforting his wife and trying to, and like telling her this mantra to like calm her down. He's like, just, breathe it's not it's not your fault or something like that like just breathe it's not your fault it's not your fault and i was like oh shit they're gonna reveal that the ghost is a woman she hit with her car when she had her car accident and i was like it's gonna be it was gonna be her that killed this woman and but then of course that was definitely not the case and it just i was like damn that that would have been like a way more interesting reveal right like i don't know it, there are so many things that feel like set up and then like you said there there's just these bad red herrings that obfuscate the actual reveal mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um yeah that was uh, um I questioned that moment too. I assumed that was just a like him just a uh, verbal abuse to her. Like, yeah, I guess kinda, like him. Cause he was asking her to acknowledge that there's nothing wrong, but right. I, what I thought was, I was like, Oh, is he like not talking to his wife? Is he talking to the ghost that was like in possession <laughs> of her? And it's like, yeah. Hey, you need to say that there, it wasn't, like there's nothing wrong because then you'll you'll like go to heaven like you'll be free of <laughs> of this form and go to yeah, the afterlife. Yeah. Oh, so weird. Uh, yeah. Um, anything else? Uh, or you want to get to final thoughts? I'm good. I I got nothing else to add cool. really. Um. Yeah, I got nothing else either. So let's <laughs> get to uh, um, let's get to final thoughts. For every movie, we'll give Harrison Ford a rating of one to five Harrisons. So Neil, what was your final thoughts? Absolutely. Um, kind of as I said in the beginning, this thriller type stuff really isn't for me. So like the movie genre really isn't doesn't do much favors as far as it's concerned. But um, I think Michelle Pfeiffer did fine. Harrison Ford just became like this weird schlocky villain out of nowhere at the end. And there was just way too many things that we kind of brought up in the middle that like either had no resolution or some weak explanation as to why it's in the movie at all. It just seems like, oh, we need a lot of convenient crutches to kind of like limp through like this thriller type movie. Um, So I'm I'm probably going to give it one and a half uh, just because like. It had some things that were okay in it and some, uh, you know, some nice like scenes that actually had me on the edge of my seat, like such as that bathtub scene towards the end. But 
man, that was like about it. Everything else was just kind of like ho-hum and <laughs> not really worth it, in my opinion. So I'm going one and a half Harrisons out of five. Cool. All right. Tyler? Uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm right on the money with you there, Neil. That This is definitely in the lower rungs of Harrison Ford movies. I'm going to give it 1.5 Harrisons as well. Um, kind of the same rationalization that you gave. I think there's there's something here that is very watchable, but it's not very enjoyable. Um, I the, I think there so the most interesting moments of this film, like the the climax where you're, she's in the tub and paralyzed. I feel like all of the drama of that sequence would have been the same if it were like a ten minute YouTube short film. Like I had very little connection to the character other than just empathizing as a human being who doesn't want to drown unable to move, you know? So like it, it, there was nothing built up to that point that had me really invested in these characters. It was more the situation than anything else that was compelling. So yeah, it, but I will give a caveat to my 1.5 Harrison's. I will actually, I will actually recommend that fans of Harrison Ford watch this just out of the pure uh, novelty of getting to see him play a villain compared to all of his other roles. Like this is actually a, a standout role for him in the sense that it's not him being typecast as this like uh, kind of debonair action uh, smart dude like he he plays a nerd who is a um, you know kind of abusive husband who turns out to be a fucking killer at the end so it's like he gets to kind of try something different it didn't work but uh, you know if you're a fan of his I think it's worth watching so yeah so uh, I know at the beginning of this I, I said that I was going to go um, I was going to fight for this movie, but I think it's pretty clear that this was, this was a pretty bad movie. Um, even though there's quite a bit that I enjoyed about this movie. Um, and I think that I, I would recommend it. I think it's a fun, um, I think there's enough to enjoy that I would recommend it. Um, and especially, I think I watched it on Netflix, but I noticed that it's on a lot of like free services. So the barrier to entry for this movie is pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that being said, I, I think Harrison Ford is just not great in this movie. Um, it's good that he like stepped up and like wanted to play a villain. But I just don't think he quite understood uh, what he was getting himself into. Yeah. Um, one other thing, I think the real moral of this movie is uh, a lot of people ask Michelle Pfeiffer, um, how are you holding up? And the moral of this story is that that's the true horror. And you should not fucking ask people how they're holding up. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Uh, ben, I'm, ben, do you have something you want to tell us? How, how are you yeah. holding up? <laughs> all right, all right. This is a real shitty move to say that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm going to give this two out of five Harrisons. Um, even though there are some enjoyable parts, uh, I think it's just mostly from Michelle Pfeiffer and the neighbors, honestly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Watch it just to see Eowyn uh, play someone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, let's get to recommendations. So every episode, we will leave you guys with some recommendations on things that we think you should check out. So, Neil, what is your recommendation? Absolutely. My recommendation this time around is an addition to one I made probably three seasons ago. (laughs) Um, So uh, the Monster Hunter World Iceborne DLC came out. Oh, by the time this comes out, it's probably been a uh, two, three months or so, but um, it is incredible. Like if you're doing DLCs, I think this is how you do it. So it was forty dollars, but you get essentially the game over again. Like there are literally thirty new monsters. Like you get to fight Shit, some son. of them. Some of them are variants of ones that you fought before, but as far as brand new ones are concerned, there's like 12 or something ridiculous. Like, it's an completely new game. Like, the only thing that, like, it reused, like, they add one more region to it and, like, a whole new end game scenario, which is ridiculous that I haven't even got to yet. But there's so much added content to this that it is ridiculous. They even revamped all of the weapons every single weapons now have new abilities that you can use uh with like your slinger attachment thing it's like inc- like they've just made everything so much cooler so 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 I, re-explain the appeal of monster hunter <laughs> certainly so it, the monster hunter is uh Nothing but boss fights. That's what I would say. So (laughs) now that can turn a lot of people off. Like if you're looking to, um, I guess what I like about it is that you get to try out a ton of new methods on, you know, fighting these monsters to be able to craft new and different gear uh, that you can use to either, you know, defeat them easier the next time you have to fight them or to help you out further in the game. Like, so it's kind of, and it's fun to just make different types of builds. So all of every monster has different like armor sets and they both have like an alpha and a beta set. And like, there's so much different armor all with different, there's probably, uh, I don't know, like over a, like a hundred different skills in the game that you can attribute each benefit, a weapon type differently. So you're just mixing and matching all of these different armor pieces to help like make these like perfect builds for your type, your specific type of like like battle. So like I am a gun lance user, which if you're not familiar, it's essentially like a giant lance. Like you'd see like with a, like a jousting lance, only it's got a giant (laughs) gun on it too. So like, and then you get a shield. So like you're like a tank character and you can block most of attacks and then you can just dish out like all this awesome damage. But like in the subset of that, you have different types of Gunlance users, like, because it has different types of, like, shelling attacks, and you can spec into those differently and get more benefits out of them. And, like, 
so like there's so much minute detail within just each weapon that you can expand upon and just getting all the different weapons like if you're doing like elemental builds and stuff like you'll want like um all the different type you want the best weapons of all the different element types so you can deal with all the different monsters as efficiently as you possibly can so and you know sometimes it can be very frustrating like that is kind of the downfall of it is that like you know once you're in like the iceborne actually introduce the master rank there's low low rank high rank and master rank once you get to master rank like monsters can just two hit you and you're dead Fuck. so like <laughs> yeah so like that's where it gets frustrating and like if you're facing off and typically there's different stipulations to how you're fighting the monsters so like you might be able to die three times in this one monster fight but when you die you lose all the buffs you went into the fight having so you kind of have to start from scratch and like build it all back up again but if you're fighting a monster that has and you're in a team of four it can do moves that wipe your entire team and you just you're done immediately. So yeah. then you're you're getting no rewards, nothing like you're starting over again. So like that is the frustrating part. But it's also the motivation, like the drive, like I'm not going to let this bastard do that again kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. But like it, it can get demoralizing. And I've I've definitely been there. Um, so that's the only like downfall is like you kind of have to be like uh, a glutton for punishment a little bit until you get used to like mastering how monsters attack, how your weapons work, what you can block, what you can't block and like what you should be aware of. And that all comes down to also how you're building and specking your your builds going in to fight these monsters. So um, it literally it has a storyline, but like. I literally don't care <laughs> at it's all. Japanese as fuck, dude. Like <laughs> it, it is the, it the is. gameplay and the story and all that. So yeah, I I played through uh, the entire quote unquote campaign of the main game, and mm-hmm. I was just kind of starting to touch on the end game content. But I put this game in the same category as games like Warframe for me, where it's like I really enjoyed what I played, and it, I. I kind of wanted to play more, but Ben didn't want to play it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we just played Destiny 2 instead. That's, I, I totally get it. Um, so I would differentiate it. I get like I do get that it's kind of like Warframe. I think the grinding is a little less intense than Warframe, in my opinion. Because granted, like a monster fight might take you 35 minutes or so, like at least then you're you can usually get something after one or two monster fights where it's like I played like, I don't know, 60 hours of Warframe and I was like, I'm getting nowhere. Yeah. Like this is yep. I don't know about this. Yeah, I mean, so. you can definitely play Monster Hunter more as like a single player game if you want, for sure. But like, yeah, it, it just it's one of those games where you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. Like there's no really no in between because it's so like it's so specific in the way it plays and the way the, the gameplay loop, right? Like if you don't like managing, like micromanaging your equipment and gear and stuff, you're just not going to do well because that's like literally the just changing your specs on little things here and there are sometimes the only way you'll get the edge to defeat a monster. Yeah. So yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So and yeah. you spend just as much time 
fucking around in little menus, tweaking numbers than as you do actually fighting monsters. So for some people, that's like a no go, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would say like, uh, yeah, I that's exactly right. Like sometimes like the, the the crew I typically play with, we're pretty hardcore into like farming decorations for all these armor pieces. And like after a fight, we'll sit there for 45 minutes just being like, OK, now what do I build if I yeah. want to go this, <laughs> this specific direction? And then you're like, oh, now I need three. Oh, my dog's barking at me. <laughs> uh, uh, has to go like I now I need to go three this direction to get this specific outcome that I want for this type of armor. So yeah, like it, it is very like I had not played a monster hunter before this. Me neither. And it was very, very daunting to get into. And, and I would say like, Oh boy, I'm not sure if I'm going to like this, but I think having, you know, one of my good friends play it with me really helped me out in that regard. And now I just go in and start cleaning stuff up, you know, on my own sometimes too. Nice. So, um, yeah, yeah, Monster Hunter Iceborne. Um, a well worth it if you're into the Monster Hunter series. But if you're a fan, my guess is you probably have this by now. But I wouldn't sit on this one. Don't totally get cool, it. Cool, cool. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to give a bit of a throwback recommendation. Um, I So I've been a huge fan of the Assassin's Creed series for a long time. But I really fell off the wagon hard back when my daughter was born. Um, and I, at the time, I was still playing through Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which is the one set in, like, Industrial Revolution London. Um, or I guess, like, kind of just prior to that. It, there's, it's still all horse-drawn carriages and stuff. But, like, you know, it's just fo- smoggy London, smokestacks everywhere, all that kind of good stuff. Um but yeah, it's. Uh, I decided to jump back into that and try to get caught up on the series again because I wanted to finish this before I jump into um, either uh, Origins or Odyssey. Um, so yeah, I've been playing more of Syndicate, and I'm I'm actually gonna maybe surprise everyone here. It's not a good game. <laughs> it's actually not Whoa. a good game. Um, but I still I'm going to recommend it because. If you are the type of person who really appreciates well-built and detailed worlds, you really can't get much better than the Assassin's Creed series. Like, this series is wholly unique in the way that it creates these open worlds and lets you just wander around and explore them and, like, climb any surface to the top of any building, any... Like, it just... It's so interesting to me that like they managed to find to create a game series around the idea of visiting ancient like (laughs) cities and shit like there the gameplay is weird as fuck and janky as hell and buggy as shit but (laughs) the worlds are just so cool to just walk around like for example the other day i was um i was playing through some of syndicate and like just randomly running towards the next objective just because like i just play through to to see where it's going to take me next and I ended up going like through the parks around um, the uh, palace where the queen lives, and I'm like running through these wooded this wooded park, and I come across an opening where 
there's a full game of cricket happening. <laughs> and it, I literally sat there and watched the these NPCs play a game of cricket. And, like, I kept watching, and it was a good three minutes before I think I noticed the animations begin to loop. So wow. <laughs> the, the team that made this fucking game had s- probably a, a several people work on creating animations for a full game of cricket in a random ass yard in this game that you can just watch and that level of detail is literally everywhere and this game is old now it's like five years old or something like that four or five years old so man if that's the kind of shit you appreciate like syndicate is gorgeous even though it doesn't have the like uh, Xbox One X uh, 4K enhanced edition stuff. It's just 1080p and it still looks gorgeous. So I am so stoked to like finish this one out and jump into Origins and Odyssey because those games are even better looking. Uh, man, I just love exploring like ancient civilizations and crazy shit like that. It, it, they're they're top notch when it comes to that shit. But man, do not play it if you care about like f- getting frustrated by. <laughs> dumbass bugs that are going to reset your progress all the time i literally just finished assassin's creed 2 again not long ago yep. and i love that one dude so, yes rescue uh, so, jim bocce or whatever oh, yeah. <laughs> every time he's fucking says that. yeah it's so like that series like i uh, you know one was like revolutionary in it's like development but it had its it had its shortcomings two knocked it out of the park in my opinion mm-hmm. it it still needed I, it could have used some more variety and it's like side questing stuff still but uh that's something this whole series i think has kind of like suffered from Man, and then yeah, what happened to those missions where like the whole mission is just like a climbing puzzle to like get to someplace they don't, yeah. don't fucking do that anymore and like when you do that inside mm. of these cool environments it felt very much like uh uh, uh Pr- prince of persia like yeah that shit yeah. is my favorite and i wish they'd bring that stuff back from like two absolutely uh three really kind of let me down um and then black flag picked it right back up and that one was fun and that's where i that's the last one i played but two and four are uh, i incredible so yeah well yeah that and that was part of the reason why i also wanted to recommend these is because they're they're old now and they're super cheap so like the the barrier to entry and like your enjoyment as a product of price paid i think goes up um yeah you i got i just bought um i just bought odyssey in preparation to play that here soon for like 15 bucks so you can these games are super cheap now i i I highly recommend them if you haven't tried them before cool cool uh i would like to recommend a tv show um that is a few years old um i think they're on the third season is just about to air, but this is Killing Eve. Uh, it's a BBC show, um, but it's I'm watching it on Hulu. So both of the first two seasons are all up on Hulu right now. And this is um, this stars uh, Sandra Oh. She got a lot of attention for her performance in this show, and it also stars. Uh, who I think is the like just shining like part of this show, uh, Jody Corner, who and this is a 
It's a show about British intelligence. Uh, Sandra Oh plays this like um, British uh, like operative, I guess, and she is put in charge of this team that is hunting down what is basically a group of assassins. And um, Jody Corner, who um, uh, Jody Corner plays the like main assassin that they're that the team is like hunting down. And it's very much this just like this cat and mouse chase where they're they're chasing each other. And when one gets close, like they, you know, like something crazy happens and they like lose the scent or whatever. Um, it is just this absolutely fun, uh, kind of spy show. Um, uh, Sandra O oh is incredible. Um, uh, Jody corner, she, pl- her character, this assassin, she plays it very much like almost like she's a child, like she's this like preteen. She has this very like innocent, um, like demeanor about herself. But then she is like this stone cold killer that will just like pick up a gun and shoot someone in like the middle of a of a like mall. Or she there's a scene early on where um, one of the British intelligence operatives is like tailing her into a nightclub and she like when they're in the nightclub and there's all these people like dancing around them she like comes up and just stabs him to death it's there's just so much brutality um in this show but it's the like dichotomy of all that brutality and then just um her just childlike demeanor it's almost like a Harley Quinn-esque. Um, it's just so, it's so fun to watch and the, it is shocking every single episode and the two lead actresses are just brilliant together. Um, it is, uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's also, it's created by Phoebe Waller-Bridge who, I've talked about she's the star and creator of Fleabag um, that really blew up this past year. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I I tried to watch this show when it was airing, um, but I didn't have access to the BBC, so I just like couldn't. And I've jumped back into it because Phoebe Waller-Bridge is one of the writers of the new James Bond movie. So I've uh, and I think it's specifically because of this show, Killing Eve, that she got the job. So I'm I kind of jumped back in just to see just all the like spy stuff. And it's it's not like it's not really like your typical spy show. Um, It's very different, but it is vastly enjoyable and I think it's really because of the two performances by the leads are just mind-blowing and um, I kind of am I was kind of looking at at 
uh, all the awards because I really remember this show just getting a lot of awards buzz. But according to IMDb, it only won. Uh, oh, it has 20 wins. So it has quite a lot. Um, a lot of lead actor, a lot of like acting awards. There's a few like best dramas, um, best writing, best directing. So, um, so yeah, Killing Eve. I highly recommend it. And yeah, if you have Hulu, um, I am not sure actually how many I am just getting through, uh, the first season. So I'm not sure how many episodes there are, but, um, there's, uh, quite a bit already on there. So it's, so you can binge them and like really, uh, just enjoy yourself and get, I mean, it's kind of a hard show to watch just cause just the brutality and it like really for like the shock value, it really like goes out there for just to like shock you. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend killing Eve. It's really quite incredible. And I had not even heard of it. So that sounds cool. Yeah. Oh, also for to get in a last minute typography corner, uh, the, this is a very much like how spy and espionage shows work where it, it jumps around from city to city and they do the like title card for each city. Um, and the typography is fucking beautiful in this show. So <laughs> if you need one reason, watch it just for all the title cards in this show. It's, it's nice. incredible. All right. That is it for this episode of credits Due. thank you everyone for joining us and listening in and, uh, anyone who watched along, um, our next episode will be in two weeks where we'll be talking about K-19, the Widowmaker. Um, Ooh. very excited. This is, we're, uh, a second appearance from Kath- Catherine Bigelow, um, a director that I love and very excited to, uh, watch this movie. So until then, Tyler, why don't you give us some plugs? Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Tyler Owen, and that's pretty much it. Hey, yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Dino Neilman. And you can listen to my music podcast called Pivotal Tracks um, about uh, it's a podcast where I interview musicians about um, a song that they love. Uh, And you can find that search Pivotal Tracks on any service that you got this podcast as well. Uh, So once again, thank you so much. Um, Until next time, where we'll be talking about K-19, The Widowmaker. Uh, Remember, as always, do do the brilliant Norman stuff some more and speak up. Was that during the sex scene? Yeah, it's when they were a uh, sex competition with their oh, neighbors. God. <laughs> <laughs>